Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casseline, the French football podcast with the accent. Uh, sorry that we, we missed a week. I was uh, a little bit ill last week, but I'm back and ready to talk about Ligue 1 again. Um, as usual, two parts to this podcast. In the first part, we're going to um, unpack what has been a, a busy midweek in, in Europe, of course, the demise of Paris Saint-Germain, but also the, the great results Uh, obtained by, by Lyon and, and to a lesser degree by Marseille. And, and then we'll also talk about Monaco and Rennes um, not winning the, their first leg against uh, Braga and Leicester. And we'll spend a bit of time talking about Europe and, and what to expect this midweek as well. And then in the second part, we'll look at um, the Ligue 1 um, this weekend and how um, the battle both at the top and at the bottom is slowly but surely decanting. All right, we know the drill. We're going to start with some music and talk about Europe first. Music. So, of course, the first game of um, this, this first part is going to be Paris Saint-Germain who lost 3-1 in Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain, who fell victim of Karim Benzema. Look, what is there to, to say about that game? Um, Paris Saint-Germain really dominated for 60 minutes, or at least looked completely out of danger for 60 minutes. It shows how fickle a, a game of football can be. Paris has the opportunities, a couple of games um, denied you know, rightfully by VAR, a couple of goals sorry, denied rightfully by, by VAR. And then, um, and then the hat trick from Benzema, that mistake from Donnarumma, a couple of mistakes from Marquinhos behind, which is, um, you know, quite uncharacteristic from those two players as well, and and just that lack of leadership again exposed on the biggest scene for Paris Saint Germain. I think everybody thought that they had put that behind them, you know, in the last couple of seasons. Of course, it's the final eight, but they still make it to the final. And then last year, they they able to edge out teams like Bayern Munich and and make it to the semi final where they lose to. Manchester City with, you know, again, a bit of that show of lack of leadership, especially on the um, on the second leg. But right now against Real Madrid, I mean, literally for 150 minutes, the whole first leg and, and most of the second leg, it's it's Paris Saint-Germain's game, you know. They, it, it was theirs to lose at Santiago Bernabeu and, and they weren't able to to keep it the way it was. It, a lot, you know, a lot can be said. Mbappé was maybe the only player really ready for it. When you look at the at the football games, um, Messi maybe didn't have the impact you would expect him to be on that stage. Although he was he was far from ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, you know maybe Neymar didn't weigh enough. Um, I, I just think it it again is is a reminder of yeah how how fickle a game of football can be. Um, you know it, it doesn't take much for a team to sort of crumble. It doesn't take much for a team to forget their their football, and that's exactly what happened. With Paris Saint-Germain, I mean, I'm sure um, a lot of you have, have watched the game or at least seen the highlights. Um, there's a bit of protest on that first goal. I think if the referee whistled a foul on Donnarumma, it's not a scandal. If it's not whistled, it's not a scandal either. I think it could have gone either way. Um, the fact that it's not whistled and that the, the game goes on, um, you're wondering why Paris isn't able to pick themselves up right there and then. And usually that's what a guy like Marquinhos can do. And, and unfortunately... Um, this is probably the first time since Marquinhos joined Paris Saint-Germain that we've seen him making these kind of mistakes on the second goal. Um, is neither any neither here nor there. 
um, at, at the marking. And, and of course, the defensive defensive efforts from Paris are pretty pretty hurried on that second goal. I mean, the, the ball is lost, of course. And then we see um, Hakimi basically giving himself up to um, to Vinicius Jr. And then no one is really able to stop Modric. And that pass from Modric is perfect from Benzema. But Benzema is completely free of any marking. Uh, and then the third goal, of course, it's again Marquinhos not too sure where he's, he's about to put that ball, but just kind of kicking the ball in the middle of the box. And then uh, Benzema is the fastest and, and he's able to uh, to to put that hat trick through. You don't see any reaction from Paris Saint Germain after that. I mean, on the pitch, you got Mbappé, you got Neymar, you got Messi, you got Di Maria, you got players like Verratti and Paredes, and, and, and there's not much happening, which is. I think to me the biggest worry you, you would think that um, players with this experience and with this winning experience as well would know that this is when you, you turn it up. It's not the first time those players have been in a situation where they're not winning a game. I I was very surprised not to see them being able to um, you know t- take the game back over. It looked like the game was still um, Real Madrid for the last ten minutes when you would hope that Paris Saint Germain is giving everything. To, to try and, and go through and and yeah it kind of looked like they had given up at that point which is which is a bit disappointing which is also probably where most of that um you know that anger that rage from the fans come from um you know you're down two one you're down three one the game's not over until it's over Real Madrid just showed you that the game's never over just just fight back just try and find your way back into that game but it looked like um yeah it looked like their soul had basically left their body and and unfortunately, it goes back to what we've been saying since the beginning of the season. It goes back to the fact that maybe Pochettino wasn't the right guy for the job and, and that maybe he, he doesn't have it in him to be able to turn this this team around. No, not any team. Maybe it's better on other teams. But with this Paris Saint-Germain, he just never really found the the world to try and re-motivate them when that happened. So many times, though, they were able to get results late in the game um, against this Real Madrid. Like I said, it's not even that they couldn't. It looks like they didn't even try. I think it looks like they were very comfortable for those, like I said, that 150 minutes where they looked like the game was theirs, and and Real Madrid probably will feel, you know, kind of rightfully, um, kind of lucky to to go through after they were they were pretty, you know, they were struggling to to move that that PSG squad for a while, um, but at the end of the day, you know, um, Benzema says it at the end as well, and winning is in their blood, within is in their their DNA at Real Madrid, and. It looks like um, somehow, despite the, the successful last couple of years, um, Paris Saint-Germain just can't quite um, get a grasp of what winning means. And, you know, again, I said it a few times in the pod, this was kind of the year, uh, you know, the recruitment has been fantastic, was supposed to be fantastic. Um, you got those names coming to the Parc des Princes. Um, you got players with the experience of winning the Champions League more and more every single season. Um, and, and again, the World Cup in Qatar is at the end of the year. So this was the year for Qatar to show their domination. And unfortunately, we see them failing against, you know, a team who, yeah, has winning in their DNA and was probably about to steal Paris' biggest player um, in years at, at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, very, very um, sad moment, I think, for Paris Saint-Germain and for Paris Saint-Germain's fans. Um, I'm not, not going to call that a wake-up call because the fans... Um, knew well and, and through what was going on at their club, uh, but maybe it was the um, you know that little the drop that um, that goes a bit too much in the vase and and that makes everything kind of crumble. Um, you know the reactions after the game from um, from Leonardo from Nasser for at least what we what we read in the press and what we heard um, is is far from flattering and and it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen in the next 
couple of months um, in the capital. I mean, the the league and title is theirs. Um, it'd be it'd be a miracle if they don't win Liga. So Liga is theirs, but unfortunately, that's going to be their only trophy at the end of the season. And um, and after that, you know, um, who knows who knows what's going to happen. I'm I'm. It's almost hundred percent that they're losing Mbappe. Are they going to keep Messi? Are they going to keep Neymar? Are they going to keep Leonardo? Is Nasser still going to be the guy um, this summer? All, all that is a bit up in the air. And I think at first they have to they have to face their fans and they have to to deal with that. We're going to talk about what happened on the weekend, of course. But um, but yeah, it was um, it was definitely a bit more than a loss. Uh, it was a bit of a um, a re-questioning of the whole Qatari era. I feel this this loss against Real Madrid and uh, and it's I think it's good because that's what that's that's how you build an identity in your club and and Paris has always been told that they didn't have a club identity. I think the fans right now are kind of like saying um, that they do have an identity and that they have to the club whoever is in charge of the club has to stick with it um, and has to make sure that they respect it. And they they kind of the fans kind of accepted the big names as long as the winning was coming. But but if you get all those people and you pay all that money and then you don't win. Um, then, then I think it's the fans' job to remind um, the direction that it's just not just a, a marketing coup; that it's also a club that needs to win stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all about um, the PSG fan right now and how they are how they're reacting to all this. Uh, anyway, the, that's the end of the European um, adventure for Paris Saint-Germain this season. Uh, again, too early um, for what they hope and for what they wanted. Um, they are year in year out one of the favorites to win the Champions League. Uh, it is always that elusive cup that they just can't get close to. And uh, and yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the summer and if they are still in that same kind of position next year. On the positive side in, in Europe, of course, there's that game um, from Lyon at the um, Estadio of Dragao. Is that how you, how you say it? Yeah, the Estadio do Dragao. Uh, sorry, Zach, if you're listening, hopefully uh, my Portuguese accent is, is good enough. Um, Lyon, who had a, a complicated task ahead of them, of course, you know, playing a team who's been um, undefeated for 18 straight game in the arena, a team that's also been uh, undefeated for 54 um, Portuguese league game now. The, the record um, is now held by Sergio Conceição for the amount of uh, game undefeated in their domestic league. Um, there was a feeling, though, that Porto, you know, kind of had underestimated Lyon, and and you know, um, the 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 Estadio de, de Dragon is maybe only like half full at the beginning of the game. Um, of course, it was a game that was played late, late afternoon, but still, it looked like it was not a big event for Porto, and unfortunately, he didn't turn out well for them. Um, you know, I also read here and there that maybe they've been out of form. Um, some players did look a bit tired, but um, but you know, they still had quite a few opportunities, and they were often dangerous that day um i think all all that said and done we we really shouldn't um you know sort of understate the performance that Lyon produced on wednesday you know um kakure and dombele paqueta in the midfield um lopez between the posts was amazing um Thiago mendes and luke bain in cb actually played really well in, in center backs um and everyone fought hard and everyone played as a team to try and um and neutralize those numerous threats that porto poses um you know both goalkeepers were in fine form Jogo Costa for for Porto and Anthony Lopez for Lyon uh, and they had a few saves to make and, and they almost excuse, executed everything to perfection um but Lyon Lyon is that team and, you know we're going to talk about it when we when we look at the result on the weekend uh, but it's that team that usually shows up for the big games you know they have they're having a great European um season they're yet to lose in in Europe this season 
um, and although also um, you know we fail to see the consistency still you know we we don't have any reassurance that defensively they're going to be good uh, week in week out and again the the result this weekend um, but when they play that like dense mid to low block um, they kind of manage to to contain the best teams you know they manage to contain PSG um, to name just one and now they they were pretty good against Porto as well. Uh, and they are, as we know, um, deadly in counter attack. I mean, they are clumsy as well, but um, but they also they are very good in counter attack. And it did take them uh, a couple of opportunities to be able to break that Porto defense. Um, but but eventually, uh, it worked out. And mind you, Porto was pretty prone to mistake on, on that day. And uh, uh, and there was I don't want to say there was a bit of help from the ref, but there was some calls from the ref um, that didn't help Porto um, coming back on on a penalty division. On a penalty decision, excuse me, and, and and validating a goal for a offside where I'm not 100% obvious that the, the Porto player does actually touch the ball. Uh, but, but, but look, um, it's a great win for, for Lyon. Um, this week at the OL Groupama Stadium is going to be a, another battle for both and its men's. Uh, yeah, unfortunately for them, that heavy loss to, to Rennes does nothing to build their confidence, um, especially in the defensive area. Uh, and, and, you know, you should have no doubt that Porto is going to be out for blood early on. Um, Lopez is going to be tested. Lopez is going to be rather busy, um, and you need a, another complete performance from the whole team if they want to be able to to survive the the Portuguese powerhouse. Porto are one of the favorites in Europa League, so is Lyon. Um, so it's kind of a game that could have been a semi final or even um, a final, to be honest. So so that that second leg at the OL Groupama is going to be, I think, a hell of a game, and uh, and Lyon should not make the mistake that Porto made and. And underestimated their opponent, and and be ready for uh for all the all the firepower people like Taremi, for example, bring up front. Um, great result for Lyon, and I'm really looking forward to that second leg. In the um, Conference League, Marseille was hosting um the FC Basel, and Marseille won two one, and that was again uh, typical Marseille. Loads of opportunity, seventy percent possession. 20 shots and only five on target. And, and you think, you know, they've had the heartbeat by, they've done the heartbeat by scoring twice. But again, a couple of defensive errors and one of them cost a goal. Um, you know, Luan Perez surprised after barely a minute on the pitch. I think, you know, the Velodrome is used to it by now. Marseille dominating their games almost outrageously and, and then almost always failing to convert their opportunities. They always leave themselves, you know, in the open for the late game surprises. They should be thankful, though, that that away uh, goal rule is gone. Because otherwise, that goal from Esposito um, would have been a real game-changer at the end. Sampaoli did what Sampaoli does. You know, he put a team um, that would asphyxiate, basically, Basel early on, and that forced them to play in their own half for most of the game. Um, the, the Swiss team had some opportunities in transition, but Marseille really seemed stronger than them um, through and through, which is... Again, a bit a bit scary because Marseille shouldn't be too confident when they're going to play uh, in Basel. I think you know again, um, Milik puts himself in, in in the forefront of that attack, and um, and Payet shows that he can get along with Milik. Uh, unfortunately, Payet, Payet does pick up a yellow, so he's going to miss the, the next game. Although apparently he's got a bit of a of an injury too, but uh, but Harry did well to replace him on the weekend, so Harry's probably going to be the, the playmaker in Basel. Basel has a fierce crowd um, and they have no choice than winning, of course, uh, when they're facing Marseille this week. Uh, you know, we know that Marseille is better away than they are at home. 
um, and that they kind of like to play against a team um, that doesn't park the bus. Um, so Basel, of course, at home is not going to be able to park the bus. They have to play because they have to score. So we might play in, in Marseille's favor, but if they score early, um, they will defend. Uh, and, and like I said, you don't have Payet. Um, so hopefully Arit is, uh, is inspired and Milik uh, can score the goal where that matters. They're going to need to be a bit more efficient than usual, Marseille, if they want to reach the next stage of the UEFA, UEFA excuse me, Conference League. But um, but it was a good result too, to be able to win at home, even though um, they could have gotten a, uh, a more flattering result. The other game in, uh, in the Conference League was Rennes against Leicester and, and Rennes who lost 2-0 um, in England. And that was a bit of a, of a surprising result to witness, uh, to be honest. Uh, but also not totally undeserved, I guess, on the day. Um, you know, Rennes is one of the best football-playing team in France. Um, but but if you don't count the target, I guess you don't score. Um, that's pretty simple. Uh, the game was level and, and each team kind of pushed and had chances, but um, Rennes had to wait the 74th minute to actually test Casper Schmeichel. Um, you know, that goal from Old Brighton in, in the first half was a missile from the edge of the box, but the Rennes defense is a bit too naive, in my opinion, on that one. Um, you know, they let him take that shot on challenge and, and probably it's been a bit of a humbling game for Rennes in that regard. A bit of a, you know, this is the experience that needed to be able to shine on the European scene. And, and we've seen him last year not doing well in, in Champions League. We thought that they kind of had um, getting rid of this by getting good results this week, this season in, in Conference League. Um, but Leicester just look a bit more experienced at all the little things. And, you know, even if Rennes was probably at least as good football-wise, um, clearly... Um, the inexperience worked out. There was a call for handball in the box early in the second half um, that the ref disregarded. But, um, you know, although in Conference League there's no VAR, I think even if there was VAR, the penalty wouldn't be given because the ball touches in another body part before it reaches the hand. Uh, and uh, and then at the end, of course, there's that second goal at the very, very end, uh, which comes after two or three defensive mistakes by Rennes, which again, you know, show that lack of experience at that level. It's injury time. Just just kick the ball away instead of like those baby touches in your own 30 meters. They're going to need a bit of a small miracle at the Royazen Park, I think, to be able to uh, to change that around. That said, you know, if a team can score that many goals, it's Ren. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they actually rise to the occasion. Um, if I'm honest, I actually see a very high scoring game happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ren actually uh, turns that around and, and kind of like humiliates Leicester and... and launch their um, conference league campaign even more than it already is. I'm looking forward to see that game as well. You know, um, Genesio know what he has to do and, and he has the team to be able to do it. So so it's going to be a, a very good game. And yeah, I guess I'll uh, I'll say a 4-0 win for Rennes is my uh, is my prediction. You you can uh, you can quote me on that. Um, the last game uh, that was played midweek was Monaco who, who went to Braga and Monaco who lost 2-0 in, in Portugal. Uh, for a story of millimeters is what I thought when I watched the game. Um, you know, for always football, it's, it's always that little story of millimeters, you know, a shot deflected, a save. Uh, these days with VAR, the offside, it's always about the millimeters. Um, and, and those millimeters weren't on Monaco's side on Thursday. Um, you know, they lost to a team that kind of seemed to be winnable uh, playing in Braga, uh, but it started the worst way possible with that uh, ball cleared poorly and, and new ball left to his own device. Um, losing his 1v1 just like after only three minutes and then Braga almost scoring a second one two minutes later um, but, but yeah for the rest of it I, I kind of like felt like the gods of football had chosen their side 
uh, you know, two goals denied for offside, rightfully, uh, but, but offsides that were pretty tight. Um, a handful of missed opportunities for, for Monaco. And again, uh, very much like Ren, a second goal considered the 89th minute uh, with a header that ends millimeter inside the goals from millimeters from the post. Monaco had the possession. Um, they just weren't tight enough defensively, um, defensively, in my opinion, to prevent that result. Um, avoidable mistakes and, and, you know, imprecisions and that puts them in trouble week in, week out. If only they could score their chances, you know, this season would be an all other story for, for the, the club, uh, but they also don't score as much as they used to. Volan is a bit of a shadow himself. Um, ben Yedder is Ben Yedder, but, uh, but he can't do everything by himself. And, you know, Braga is, is a good team, don't get me wrong, and, and they probably were better than Monaco at times, um, but, you know, they didn't even have to force much because, as soon as they, uh, as soon as they scored the first one, they kind of let the ball, left the ball to uh, to Monaco, and then operated in counter attack. Second leg is going to be a tough battle. Um, you know, we already know that Braga is strong defensively. Uh, they're probably gonna, you know, park the bus, park the plane, the boat, everything you want at Louis II. Uh, and Monaco is going to need to score early if they want to to put that pressure on their visitors, and if you want, if they want any hope at actually reversing um, that score line. Uh, the other game, of course, that's going to happen this week is Lille against Chelsea. Uh, you know, Lille, who had lost 2-0 at Stanford Bridge a couple of weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, actually. And uh, yeah, honestly, you know, that second game at, at the Stade Pierre-Mauroy, I don't really see how Lille can go through. Uh, but as you know, a game of football is a game of football and anything can happen inside the 90 minutes. But it was already an, an uphill battle and now you don't have Renato Sanchez who got injured on the weekend. Uh, which is always a, a big blow for the dog to to miss their best player. They're going to need to be, you know, at 120, 150% of their ability if they want to be able to to be the team coached by Thomas Tuchel. And uh, and you know, I guess we're going to have to see uh, if they if they have it. You know, I don't I don't see it. Um, but, but you know, maybe I hope that I'm proving wrong. Um, but you know, I think Chelsea is a team with loads of experience, and they'll know exactly how to deal with that kind of game and they know exactly who they have to shut down and how they have one one less um you know a dangerous opponent in, in Renato Sanchez. So they're going to um, in my opinion they're going to just show what experience is at that level and, and just basically shut down that little team and, and potentially you know score one early in, in counter attack. We'll see but yeah I think Lille just hasn't shown enough this season to to be able to say yes they can uh, they can beat Chelsea after losing to zero in Stanford Bridge, going to be an interesting game to uh, to watch, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't see Lille doing it, um, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, busy busy week in uh, European football just came past, and a busy week coming up as well. And hopefully, uh, by the end of the week, we still have um, four clubs in. But uh, yeah, my pronostic is uh, is three clubs will still be in. I think Lyon, Marseille, and um, and and Rennes will be in. I'm afraid that for Lille and Monaco, it's going to be a bit of a of a step too high. I you know I hope five five clubs are going through. But yeah, my, my pronostic is uh my prediction is three clubs um only. Uh all right, thanks for uh thanks for being with me for part one and uh let's go back to Liga now and let's go to part two. Mm-hmm.